Psalm 139 is the text that we're going to be in this morning. Psalm 139, we have 24 verses to get through, but at the same time, I just want us to sit in as much as we can. So how we're going to do it this morning is we're going to read in chunks and go along um, and hopefully be able to unpack the riches of the text. And God in his mercy will hopefully store and and build within us and stir within us a deep longing to know him as we've been and as the spirit has been moving this morning. And uh, we might get all 24 verses, we might not. I also realize that I could sit here for all day and you won't remember anything because we've gone on too long. And so we're going to make sure we get as much of the gems that we can, but also I will land the plane at some point so we can honor time and also let the spirit work within your heart. Um, so Psalm 139, we're going to read the first six verses as our, our first sec- section. It says this, O Lord, you have searched and known me. I'll read that again. O Lord, you have searched and known me. You know me when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you, st- you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and And lay uh, your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Lord, we come before you this morning just in awe of the fact that you are a God who knows us and longs that we know you. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would move this morning within our hearts and take us and take our eyes of our hearts and fix it on this glorious Jesus and that there would be a longing that stirred within us to love you and know you all the days of our life. And the people of God said, Amen. This word, this, the psalm starts off with these beautiful words and it truly is. It's, it's a remarkable line that he says here, O Lord, you have searched and known me. It's, it's referring to an intimacy here that, that is incredible, that God looks upon us, he sees us, he understands us, he knows the extent of his searching is, is, is all-encompassing. The, the imagery that's being used here is that of a, a miner that is diving into the depth of the ground to find gold and precious jewels. It's the picture of someone who is searching a new land and exploring it for the first time and is taking down markings on a map as he, as he, as he plots it out. It's, it's the imagery of, of someone who is investigating a legal case and is turning over every word and every page to make sure that they understand it. This is a, this is a searching that God knows of you and me. That he searches us and understands us. But friends, it's not just a, a searching of cold, hard facts. It's not the fact that God knows how many hairs you have on your head, though he does. Some of us, very little. I couldn't count how many hairs you have on your head. It's not just what's your favorite color or how fast you drive down Shaffley Road. It's not how you take your coffee. Those are facts that he knows. But, but rather, the, the understanding here is that of intimacy. It's, it's of examination with pain and care that, that God knows us personally. Now, this morning, very few of us are known very well. You might have a load of Facebook friends. You might know me as Joe, the pastor at East Coast, but very few know me. 
You know some things about me, but to know me, you need to know my ambitions. You need to know my fears. You need to know what motivates me, what gets me out in the bed in the mornings, what makes me want to stay in bed in the mornings. To be truly known isn't just to know some cold hard facts, but to know what gets a person going. And, and when it talks about how God has searched and known me, friends, it's personal that he knows every encompassing parts about you. You have searched and known me. He knows you and he knows you well. Every, every detail about you is wrapped in care and with love. And, and the, the rest of the verses 1 to 6 go on to explain the extent of it. Look at verse 2. It says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts afar. So God sees everything that you do. He sees your passive activities. He sees your intentional acts. He knows when you sit down in defeat. He knows when you rise up out of pride. He knows when you are striving because you are trying your very best to solve a difficult situation that you're just trying to get better. He knows every part about you. But he doesn't just know your actions. He doesn't just see it, but he sees the motive behind those actions. He sees why you do it. He sees, if you see this in verse 3, it says, you, you, searched, uh, you searched out my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. The word search there is that of winnowing, of uh, removing the corn from the, the chaff. It's, the chaff, it's, it's removing it. He's able to discern within us our very actions of why we do things, if we do it for good or whether we do it for bad. His knowing is so encompassing that he can discern with unerring precision exactly why we do something. But it's far more than just understanding our actions and why we do it, but he also knows our thoughts. He says he sees our thoughts from afar. Now that doesn't mean that God is watching from afar, but rather that before our thoughts become our own, he knows exactly what we're going to think. He knows the nature of them. He knows the outcome of them. He knows the thoughts. But again, it's, it's not just knowing our thoughts, but he's a, able to weigh them up. What's the motive behind them? Our, our daydreams, he sees them. Our purposeful thoughts, he knows them. Verse 4 goes on to say, there's not just our thoughts, but it's also our speech. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, you know it all together. That God is able to know what we are going to say before we say it, but also he is not fooled by what we say. Many of us can fool each other with our words. A lot of you did it this morning. As you walked in, somebody asked, how are you doing? You said, I'm good. You've put on your good church clothes. You've cleaned up. You've had a shower. You've come in with a smile on your face. And you've pretended to be good when you're not. And you fooled you and each other in this room. You fooled others. You fooled me. But God says, no, no, I see your words. And I know when you mean it or not. I know when you say you're good and you aren't. I know when you say everything's just fine and things are going swell, when actually they aren't going that way at all. He, he sees us perfectly. Our innermost part, um, parts of our bodies, our, our minds, our, our, our thoughts are all completely transparent before him. And what this should do is what we sung this morning, it should humble us. That the God of all creation who sees all things, who holds all things, who sustains all things, the God who is so glorious and mighty, who is far so different apart from us, is not just a celebrity that we can't reach. Oh, there is a chasm between us and him that we can never cross over. But yet, but yet he would look upon us and give us his gaze. 
But not just watch me now and again to check in on me, but know every part of my, me. He knows you. It's mind-boggling that he would even care, but he keeps his unwavering gaze upon you. And this leads to verse 5. This leads to an action. It says, the psalmist says to God, "Then, Lord, you have hemmed me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. He has hemmed us in to himself. Friends, he invites us in to know him. How mind-boggling is it that someone who knows every inch of your motivation, every dark thought that you have thought and you would be shocked if anyone would know it, every motive behind what you've done, every sin that you have completed and yet knowing those full well hems you in. I don't think some of you would like me if you knew me very well. And that's why we as humans so often put on a persona, a, f- a fake face, because we're scared that if people knew the real us, they would not like us. But yet, God who knows every part of me comes and says, I know you. I love you. I care for you. Even in my mess. Even in my sin. But if that blows your mind, friends, what is even more mind-boggling is the fact that not only does he know me and say, I know everything about you, while that certainly is, is something that leaves us a little awestruck to think that God would give us his gaze, what blows us away completely in the gospel is that he invites me to know him. Can an all-knowing God know me? Of course. But does the all-knowing, all-powerful unlimited, glorious God who knows the ugliness of my heart says, come, seek my face. Come, know me. And the difference is that in me, to know me leads to brokenness because I'm broken. To have a relationship with Joe means that you're going to, in moments, have difficult times. Because why? Because Joe's a broken, sinful person. But what he invites me into is joy, love, peace, fullness. It's all in him. And he does that. He invites us in to an intimate relationship. Psalm 27 verse 8 says that God gives us invitation out to all. He says, seek my face. Or in Ephesians 1 uh, verse 4 and, and 5, he says, in, even, um, even as in him we are chosen in him, before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, verse 5 says, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. That he would bring us in as sons and daughters of the living God to know him, to enjoy him. It's it's, it's, it's remarkable that he would do that. And, and then so the psalmist responds in, in praise and in, in, in all of this. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot obtain it. Friends, are you cold this morning to God? As, as Phil was praying and as we were singing about seeking God's face, was there a, a coldness and a hardness to your heart going, just hurry up, mate? 
aren't you there today? You need, to, you need to dwell and preach to yourself this glorious truth that God knows the depth of your heart and He chooses to invite you in. He invites you in. And, and, and this, maybe this truth for us this morning would be a bit overwhelming for us if it wasn't for the cross. Because the reality is that God has come knowing every single thought, every motive, every action, and yet he's demonstrated this great love through dying on the cross for us. And that's remarkable. Later we're going to come to around uh, the, the, um, the, the Lord's uh, table here, and we're going to partake of communion. And what are we going to remember and, and re- realize is that God died not for the ideal you, but for you that is the sinner. The wicked, sinful person that even he sees places in your hearts that you do not like to go. But he died for you. It's amazing. So the invitation for us this morning, friends, is yes, you are known, but do you know him? The invitation is to come and delight in him, to come and enjoy him, to come and, and run to him. So that's our, our first section this morning. Our second section is verses 11 to 12 that God is continually with us. It says this, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in show, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and, and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. So, so if our first response is, go, oh my word, Lord, you know me and yet you love me, I think when we start to dwell on it a little bit more, we go, oh my gosh, he knows me. He knows my heart. He, he knows all the sin. He knows my desires. He knows my thoughts. And in some part of us, we want to run. Because <laughs> we don't like to be known like that. And so we flee. We, we want to run. And as the psalmist considers, can I run from him? I can't. There's no way to escape. There's no amount of pretending that I can do this. I can go to heaven or he's there. If I can go to the place of Shoal, where the, the, the realm of the dead, you Lord, you are there. Hey, if I could go on the wings of morning, in other words, if I could go at the speed of light to the middle of the ocean, he says, where no one can track me, no one can find landmarks, I'm just bobbing along all the way out there by myself. Oh Lord, you are there. I can't run. And so in some ways this morning, this is challenging to us because as we realize that God knows us, it means that we have to start to deal with things within our hearts. It's, it's, we, we can't just continue with our sin. We, there is a need to deal with it. It's a need to be honest before him, vulnerable before him, repent, turn to him. But also this morning, I, I think it also means for us, not only are, are, is there no way we can run from him, but I think what it also means for us is that as we talk about being known by God, some of us go, but Joe, you don't know what I've done. I am the very example of uh, the prodigal son. I, I have run away from God myself. I, I've tasted of his joys and his delights. I've, I've, I've lived for him, and, but now over a period I've been running from him. He does not want anything to do with me. But what this text tells us and what it shows us is no matter how far you have slipped down the proverbial slope of sin, his hand is not too short to reach you. 
That he has not abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. Look at verse 10. He talks about where can I run? And in, and in verse 10, he says these words. He says, even there, your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. It's remarkable, isn't it? Even there, he's there to guide us. His hand upon us. To lead us. Oh, to lead us home. To lead us on the right path. I, I, have, I, have, a, I have two boys, Mally and, and Jesse. And Mally is, Mally is five. And uh, one of his hobbies is to run. He's really liking running at the moment. And as a result, we started to run some further and further distances. Not too far. He's only five. But we'll go for a run and we go out on the road. And that is new for him. He's never been allowed to run outside of our complex. And so as we go for a run, he looks everywhere. Now, I don't know if you've ever run with someone who doesn't look straight but does this, and he's five. He runs and he starts doing, he's a crab runner. And as we run, I have sometimes have to put my hand on his head and kind of turn it in the right direction and guide him. And, and in many ways, friends, as we, as we are going in this life, God's hand, even when we've run far, he's, not, he's there. He's there, to, he's there to lead us back on the right paths. Have you run away from God this morning? Friends, He loves you still and He's there to lead if you would just allow Him to. But you have to allow Him to. But also what this means for us is that no matter where we've gone, no matter the hardnesses of life, and because and, 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 for some of us this is the, the sins that we have fallen into, but others there has been a radical change in life. Life is hard. Some, some of us have bounced into this new year with some enthusiasm, some excitement. We can't wait for what 24 has ahead. And some of you have come and crawling into this year. It's hard. You don't know what it has to hold. Financially, things are difficult. Career, it's uncertain. Your relationships, your marriages, whatever it might be, the things are on the rocks and it is difficult and you're uncertain. What this tells us is no matter what situation we might find ourselves in, He is there and He's there to hold us. He's there to hold us. We see this uh, wonderfully in, in that famous psalm, Psalm 23 verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. For you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Friends, whatever situation you find yourself in this morning, whether good or bad, he is with you. There is no valley you walk down, no mountain that you climb, that God is not there with you every single step of the way. And maybe you doubt this truth this morning, and you're going, I'm not too sure if that's the case for me. Friends, God is in the business of pursuit. He is the hound of heaven. He has pursued us. We've just celebrated Christmas. It's a great example of it all, isn't it? That God would look upon us in our sin, dead within our sin, and yet he would love us, that he would leave the glories of heaven, the, the riches of the Father, the delight of his presence, the, the, the joys of the Spirit, and he would take on a human flesh and dwell amongst us on this earth 2,000 years ago. There were, hospitals weren't great then. Food wasn't as nice as it is now. The comforts of life are far better than they were, but he, he would arrive in the dust he would live amongst us. 
be ridiculed by those who came to, he came to save, by those whom he created. His very own people, the Jewish people, would crucify him on the cross and he would die upon the cross for our sin because he loved you. Do you doubt his pursuit? Look to the cross. Because it emphasizes it over and over again. He cares. He loves. In your brokenness, in your wretchedness, in your fleeing, in your running. Man, he's done it before. He hasn't stopped. He loves you. And the invitation, whether in in your rebellion or within your brokenness, is to come to him and find all you need. At some point, the prodigal son had to realize that he was in the pigsty and to turn to come to his father. Would you do so today? At some point, the woman who was bleeding for 12 years and ill had to come and touch the hem of his garments. Would you do so? Would you run to your savior, run to your comfort? The invitation is to not just know him, friends, in a theological way. Oh, we, we, I love theology. I do. But it needs to lead to the experience of the heart. And this Jesus is not just someone to know about in a book, but to know about within your heart. And he calls you to know. I, I'm going to end off with this, this last one here. Ah, I might not. I will see. <laughs> I wouldn't be a pastor if I said I was landing the plane and I wasn't. All right. Verses 13 to, to 18. It says this. For you formed my inner parts. You have knitted me together in my mother's womb. I, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. You, my, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made, being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, there would be more than the sand I awake I am still with you. And, and what this starts off was by talking about the, the intricate care of God is, is, is such that even when conception took place within the womb, of your mother's womb, God's love and care for you was there. It's, it's amazing. He says that you saw my unformed substance. You, you, you wrote together the days of my life. Every day that I would live, you have formed them and you've put them together. You are wonderfully made. And I know some of your parents would say that you were accidents. But in God's eyes, you weren't. He has planned you to look exactly the way that you would. The, the color hair that you would have, how much hair you would have, the, the, the kind, of, a kind of skin you would have, ones that love the summer sun or ones that would burn and go red. He, he, there, there are things about you that you might go, I wish I would change. But as, a, as an artist, as this God who created us and put us together, he, he delights and loves every single part of us and every piece of us because he has planned and put us together and, 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 and he has done so with a purpose. But before I talk about the purpose part of his creating us, I want to talk to you and demonstrate to you, do you see God's love for you before you could do anything? His, his love for you is not earned, but he was, it was already given to you as his creation before you could go boo or ah or even look cute as a baby. 
before anyone knew you were there. Your mom and dad were oblivious to it. But he saw and loved. It's this remarkable thing that God's love for us started before the foundations of the world. As I was conceived within the womb, he has loved me and I have not earned it. You have not earned it. You do not achieve it through your actions. It is freely given as grace. Grace upon you, it is given to you even in your unformed substanceness. And then it's, but it does tell us that he has mapped out our days for us. And this is so great for us to realize that his knowing isn't just a knowledge or just a love, but rather in his lovingness, he has created us for an eternal purpose. I don't know if any of you have experienced purposelessness before. Have you, has, has some of you done that? Where, you've just, where life just seems to lack purpose. I've been in a season like that before, and it's one of the worst places to be to not know what life is about and where to go. It's, it's an awful place. But God, in his wonderful goodness here, has created for us for a purpose. We see this in Ephesians 2 verse 10. He says, for we are his workmanship, his masterpieces, as the NLT says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. For those of us who are in Christ, we have been given this wonderful plan and purpose for the glory of Jesus. You have been made for a purpose. And, and it also lends itself to the understanding that if I am to know God and I am to know all that he has for me, if I am to experience everything that God wants for me, friends, you have to live in your purpose. To be outside of the purpose of God and to not live in what he has created you to live in is to deny yourself some of the things that God has for you. Does that make sense? I think it's pretty simple to understand. And so may I be so bold to say this morning, as the pastor of Everyday People East Coast, if you call this your home, you have been made to serve here. Oh, other places as well, of course. Thank goodness it's not just about this church. The kingdom is bigger than that. But if this is your home, if you go, this is my church, God has uniquely placed you for a season, however long that might be, with certain gifting with this personality that he has made for a time just like this. At this place, in this season, in this broken world, with all the chaos that is going on, he has in his wisdom gone, you need to be here for the extension of his kingdom. How wonderful is that? A plan and a purpose. He has made it for you. And now we'll end. Look at verses 23 and 24. I'll just jump to the end there. It says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. David has just said just previously, I've jumped over for time's sake this morning, but he, he goes on to some real hardcore stuff. He talks about the hating sin and hating those who do sin and etc. etc. And it seems very judgmental on David's behalf. But when we come to verse 23 and 24, what we realize is David has learned to love God in his awe and his wonder, and, and he has learned to hate the things that are opposed to God. But it's not just a pointing finger to others. We are so good at this as South Africans. Love to point out all the evil in our country, this and the other and the other. But he realizes that he also hates all the sin inwardly. And friends, we cannot talk about God's deep love for us in the midst of our sin 
and think that leads us to a place where we can just stay there. But actually, when we realize that the God of all glory invites us into a relationship with him, there is this desire in us to know him more and anything that would stop that, anything that would stand in the way, any obstacle, anything that would remove that, we want out. It must go. And so he says, Lord, search me. Seek me. Know my heart. He's not saying, look how clean it is. No, no, Lord, you know, it's, you know the evils. And, and then, Lord, as a result, as you, as you see the uglinesses, Lord, and I know they're there, I try, but I can't by my own. You need to lead me in the way everlasting. Help me, Lord. Help me to lead a life of holiness. Help me to lead a life of righteousness. For in doing so, in casting those things off, I get to delight in you and gain you. So as we come around our communion table this, this, this morning, you're, you're going to get to hold on to these elements. And these elements are going to preach to you and teach you and remind you of some beautiful graces that are within your heart. Or the beautiful graces in which God has given to us. There's, a, there's this verse in Ephesians 1, verse 7. It says, In Him we have been redeemed through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses which he has blessed us according to these great riches. And verse 8 says, which he has lavished upon us. He has lavished upon you. Allow that to preach to your heart this morning. That God in the midst of your sin has lavished grace and love upon you. Let, it, let that be true. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. If you doubt that he loves you, let, him remind you, let this remind you of his love. If you, if you question that you have, you, you've run too far from him, that you cannot return, friends, allow these to remind you of his pursuits. Allow this to remind you that God has seen you and yet loved you. And even though he has seen you in all your sin, that he has forgiven you for all of it. All right? So I'm going to ask you to come forward. And I'm going to ask you to come and get some of the elements. And then come sit down. And just we're going to spend a minute or two in silence. We've got some time. And as we do so, we're just going to let the Word of God stir within us a deep affection to know Him more. And then I'm going to pray for us and we'll eat and drink together. Got it? I'm going to ask, please can we do so as quietly as we can? Um, let's just honor those who want to uh, focus in on the Lord. All right. Let's come forward. Come do that. One thing that God has been saying to you this morning. What is the thing that you need to go and do? Is there an action you have to take? Is there prayer you need to pray? Is there praise that you have to shout out? Settle within your heart and, and let's go do it. Lord, I, I'm in awe this, this morning that you would love us to such a degree that your constant gaze would be upon us, that you would be able to dissect every single part of our motives and thoughts and speech, that you would have your all-seeing eye see every corner of the dark spaces within our hearts, but yet you choose to love us. But not just love us from a distance or love us from afar. You choose us to come and delight in you. And, and Lord, I, I want to ask that you forgive us this morning. So lightly we take these truths. So lightly we forget about how we get to enjoy the infinite Godhead.
how quick we are to grow cold-hearted and be distracted, to be concerned about minute things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things, but yet forget about this wonderful invitation this glorious delight to enjoy you. And I pray for us as a church that the Holy Spirit, you would stir within us a deep longing and desire for Jesus. That you would set us and propel us on a trajectory to seek you more, we pray. For those who are lost, we pray for salvation. For those who have fled from you but know you, we pray that they would come home to the warm loving embrace, forgiving, gracious, merciful embrace of the Father. We pray for those who are cold-hearted to be warmed. Make us on fire for Christ. We pray for those who are broken and hurting to know your comfort and your peace that surpasses all understanding, we pray. We need you, Lord. We long for you. Help us to love you, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat and drink together.